podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. As you can hear from my voice, I'm smiling yet again. Those reds are very much putting me in danger of getting smile lines. I don't mind. There's such a thing called polyfiller. I will fill in the gaps. I don't care. 2-0 against Newcastle. Really sorry, Rafa Benitez. Hope you stay up, but we had to do the job. Liverpool currently sat second. It's all happy days. It's all smiles. And joining me on this pod, I have some amazing callers. But as always... I need two excellent guests. And today I am joined by the lucky charm himself. Um, Cuzzy, you go so well with my gif of Adrian. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Um, do you know what my record is now? I, I should be keeping a tally, shouldn't I? I know it's one loss. You and, should um, be keeping yeah. a tally. Yeah. Should, shouldn't I? Another Better stats than people. Better stats than most of put that out there. <laughs> and joining Cuzzy, um, I'm delighted to have this guy back. Um, he's been somewhat very relevant on AI Pro side of things. Also birthday boy as well. It was his birthday yesterday. Co-host of um, the Wrestling Pro podcast, which um, you guys should definitely check out. It's Mr. Mo Chatra. Welcome to the show, Mo. Thanks for having me on, Nina. Yeah, I've... Uh made my debut on AI Pro and uh, had a lot of fun talking about stuff that a lot of fine, a lot of people find boring, financial stuff and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, all, all of that's been really good, really encouraging. And uh, I've been um, surprisingly positive about Liverpool and the owners. So uh, yeah, it's been a good few days and topped off by an excellent result. Do you hear that sound? That's me falling off my chair. It's not really. I just dropped a box on the floor. <laughs> but <laughs> you get the gist. Right, guys, as you can tell, we're all really excited. This show would not be a show without the callers. It is quite late and early, depending where you are. So let's get straight to it. Our first caller is somewhat of a familiar voice. I'm delighted to have him on. You have you may have heard him on the USA podcast. He's also an AI Pro subscriber. It's Dylan Cavallo. Welcome to the show, Dylan, again. Yes, yes, good to be back on. Thanks again, Nina. Happy days, happy days. So, what would you like to share with the panel? Got Mo Chatra here and Cuzzy? Yeah, I'm actually really pleased to have Mo Chatra on. I'll be honest with you, um, for such an FSG outer, he was very, very uh, level-headed on his last AI Pro pod. So, cheers to you for that, Mo. But the uh, question I want to raise to you guys is um, what, what you guys think about when Jordan Henderson and Emery Chan play in the same midfield together because uh, I've said on the USA pod, I'm not really a tactics guy. That's why I listen to the tactics pods, but it just seemed to me today that um, Henderson seemed to be playing the six, but seemed to be that Emery Chan and Jordan Henderson seemed to be getting a little too like close to each other and almost seemed to be doing, tried to do the same job. Uh, I want to hear what your thoughts are about them playing in the same midfield together. Do you think they play? They try to play the same role. 
It's a great question. And um, Cozy, I come to you, it sparks a lot of debate. People say they both can't play in the same team together. We look dull and uninspiring when they're in the same team together. I thought Botham had a very good game today. I thought we needed some discipline in that midfield. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because one of the things that I kind of noticed was, and I slightly, to some degree, kind of maybe a little disagree with Dylan because what I kind of noticed was sometimes Jordan Henson was a sort of a bit more advanced and Emre Jean was taking the ball from the defence and sort of marching forward with it. Certainly in the second half, that was the vibe that I got from their role within that midfield. Uh, your thoughts on them two today? Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's a strange one because there's there's games that I've seen where um, Henderson is quite deep and, and and Emery quite advanced and um, gets himself into goal scoring opportunities. Um, and at times that was the case uh, today. He didn't really get himself into a lot of goal scoring opportunities, but he, for the most part, I thought he was more advanced than Henderson. That ball to Firmino um, though was pretty cool, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was. That was that, that was really good, and then there's you know there's games where he's, he's striking the ball from twenty yards, um, mm. scoring goals. I think he's the highest uh, scorer after um, the the Fab Four, um, including the, the including Coutinho. Um, so you know, it, yeah, as, as I said, it's a bit sometimes it's a bit hit and miss. A lot of the times they play together, and it looks really fun. It, it looks functional. It, it doesn't look creative, and we sort mm. of struggle. And that's usually the concern when you see both of them in the same midfield. But there has been games when we've still looked really dynamic. Um, I remember the Palace away game last season where we won 4-2 and we were creating chances at will. And I think the, the, the midfield that day and a lot of the games in that period was, um, was Lalana, Henderson and Emery Chan. And they all seemed to have distinctive roles in that midfield three. Um, mm. and, and, um, and did really well. It's only towards the end of the season where we were struggling. But I remember Carragher, um, saying that the, the two should never play together. I thought that was a bit of a harsh, um, you know, summing up of that of the situation. I think I don't think it's as simple as that. I wouldn't say they do the same job. I think um, when Emre Chan plays the eight position, I do think he puts in a different tactical performance than when he's playing the six. I, I do think there's a there's a definitely a difference in in how he plays in each position. Henderson his performance is quite consistent. I think tactically, um, where he tends to you know he tends to have the same sort of role. Every time he plays, whereas Emre's changes, um, it's not the most creative. It's not my first choice to have them both in there, um, but I wouldn't say they do the same job. Um, and there is a worry that we will lack creativity when they do go like that. That was my sort of my slight concern today. And we weren't at our most creative today, but we did enough to. And and he and he does he, he does put through a really some really good passes, Emre Chan and Henderson had did a couple of times as well today too sort of create enough chances for us to win the game today so today it wasn't a problem I don't think um but it has been it is a concern sometimes and it and it has been an issue but I don't think it's as bad as as, as sometimes what is made up not fair enough and I'm glad you touched on that and more I'm going to come to you with this now um your thoughts on them two in in a midfield um pairing I think um because he touched on something there it worked today and I think it's largely down to the opposition that we play and we know that Newcastle might be a little bit more defensive a bit more you know, a bit more gnarly in that midfield and maybe that's why that worked. And I thought Ox complimented that as well really perfectly in the sense that, you know, we know he's got pace, we know he's got power. And I think that's why it kind of worked today. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think it was a sensible um, selection in a way. It was also a risk as well because um, Emery Chan is on nine yellow cards and had he been booked in this game, then he would have been missing for the next two um, domestic I did not games. Know 
Yeah, yeah. So he would have missed the United game and then the game after that, which I can't quite remember which one that what that one is. But uh, you know, if if he'd missed the United game, that for me would have been a huge loss because he's been such a key player in midfield. Um, but you know, he he played very disciplined. You know, in throughout the game, and uh, no, I thought he played well. I mean, in terms of um, passes, I mean Henderson and Chan were there or thereabouts. Henderson passed a little bit more, played slightly deeper, but um, both were all over the pitch. Um, and you know, in, in a way, I can understand it because um, there was that slight concern that Shelby, Don Joe Shelby, who's been in excellent form this season, might play. Um, and you know, if he would have played, you know, he would have caused, caused our midfield problems like he did um, at St James's Park earlier in the season. Um, so if, if if that would have been the case, then you want you know two of your better midfielders to be out there. But um, no, I, I didn't think they got in each other's way. Um, Henderson clearly played in that slightly deeper register role, and um, you know, Emre played with a bit more freedom actually, slightly more on the left hand side, um, Ox more on the right. Uh, but you know, Emre um, put in a solid performance. I, I didn't think um, this was one of our better games, um, so nobody had outstanding performances necessarily. Uh, but it, it was just all about getting the three points and not making any silly mistakes, not being too gung ho, and you know that that's exactly what we got. It was almost like a Rafa Benitez type of mm. um, display by by the team, and you know t- to that end, I thought the midfielders, um, Chan and Henderson in particular, um, fulfilled their roles perfectly. And I think it, you know if Rafa had been in charge. He would have been quite pleased with the work that those who did. No, I, th- I think that's a, a fair assessment. Uh, I, I like the fact that you said that you know um, they they did the job. It was very disciplined, which is sometimes we can sort of lack in that midfield. You know, there can be acres of space and gaps behind the midfield where you know the opposition can penetrate and the defense gets exposed. I thought we we uh, we were set up quite nicely today. I mean, I'm going to come back to you, Dylan. You've heard what the lads have said. Your your thoughts on on the debate? I mean, you've heard, you know they both had a pretty decent game. They they complimented each other today, um, albeit the opposition played into our hands. Your thoughts? It's funny. I was actually just thinking it was a really really disciplined um, performance from us, even if it wasn't pretty at all times and the touch wasn't there at all times. Uh, we did control the game, especially after we scored. Um, I think a lot of my question really came from the first half because, like you said, Nina, it, it seemed that. Jordan kind of moved up the pitch a bit further as the second half wore on. He even almost got a shot on target. He was at the edge of the 18 mm. uh, late on in the game. Um, and I don't think anybody performed poorly, like you all said. I think we all had not excellent games, but good games. Um, yeah. I liked I liked, I liked, liked the midfield today. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain because what he does, he does it really well. That quick mm. five-yard burst for the first goal, it's just, it's just really, really um, fantastic from him. You saw it in the City game, and you saw it again today. I really like that, that we're seeing the best of, I'll say the best of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, because like I said, what he does, he does really, really well. He does, absolutely. I mean, and, uh, you know, before we before we uh, let you go, I mean, were you surprised to see both? Um, I'm going to actually ask the whole panel this. Were you surprised to see um, Jean and Henderson in in the midfield. Uh, first, Dylan, I'll come to you. Um, a bit surprised, but at the same time, not really, because I was curious if he was going to start Milner again, because he kind of seemed to have taken a beating against West Ham, and it seemed that Ginny was still ill. 
So I understood why he did it. So I guess slightly, but not really. I understood why. Fair, en- fair enough. And what about you, lads? Uh, Cuzzy, I'll come to you. No, not really. With um, with with one Adam sick, um, mm. I couldn't see. I didn't think um, Emery would get rested. I knew about the yellow card situation, but I don't think you can rest him just because he was a booking away from a suspension. I think you still have to go with him, um, especially with Ginny uh, out six. So I wasn't surprised. The only thing was, um, as Dylan said, was was if Milner would play, and um, mm. Klopp doesn't seem to put him in week in week out. Um, so um, I wasn't Which surprised. Which works a treat, doesn't it? Exactly. Which is working I, I a think, treat, yeah. I think, yeah, we're seeing Milner hit good form when he's having sort of rests between games. Um, mm. So I wasn't surprised to see him miss out on, on this one. So no, it, it didn't surprise. The, the lineup didn't surprise me. I sort of expected it, to be honest. And Marl, let you have a final word on this one. Yeah, um, unanimous. I, I wasn't surprised either. Um, when Henderson and Chan are normally fit at the same time, then they tend to play together. Um, Klopp, you know, these are two of Klopp's boys. You know, he really, really rates them, really likes them. And... Um, Certainly, when they've been played on the occasion as a two in midfield, um, that's something I've not been keen on. But that's not something we've seen for quite some time. And in a three, you know, I think they've got enough room to kind of work effectively. That said, I mean, the debate about who should be the the, the deepest of the three, you know, is is a very much discussed one, and you know, something we're not going to necessarily go into yet again. But uh, you know, for, for today, it, it worked fine, and um, you know, Henderson also. Um, very positive in his play. Um, certainly, you know, very little in terms of wasted sideways backward passes that were only five yards that didn't really achieve anything. I thought he, he had a good game. I have to agree. I was uh, very impressed. Um, Dylan, um, uh, thank you so much for your call. Of course. Always great to be on the Nina Kowser show. And it's always great having you. I look forward to hearing more of you on the USA podcast. And, um, you know, happy days. I, I hope your weekend's made up with that. Oh, absolutely. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Good. Thank you, Dylan. Yeah, bye. Okay, so that was our first caller, Dylan, discussing the midfield. We're going to move on to our second caller now, AI writer and podcaster, Ash Hebbs. You may have recently heard him on the Writers Podcast. Welcome to the show, Ash. Hello there, Nina. Hi there, folks. Good to be back on. Great having you back on. So, Ash, uh, what would you like to discuss with the panel? Yeah, just uh, start with an observation, if I may, Nina. Um, I thought it was a, mm-hmm. just a very pre- professional performance uh, today. Mm. Really pleasing. Typical of the sort of win we've become accustomed to this season at Anfield. You know, never panicked. Got the first goal. You know, the crowd was getting a bit twitchy prior to that first goal. But once we got it, you know, I don't think the result was ever in any doubt. And after that, I didn't feel we really ever had to get out of third gear either, you know. So, um, very pleasing result, really. Um, and I think it was an important result to convince the players that they're capable, capable of winning this type of game. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, big test, big test today. Rafa, you know, master tactician, knows our strengths, knows our weaknesses. And, you know, they've been pretty tight at the back, you know, against the bigger teams this season. Um, and, you know, just as the park buses are coming thick and fast, you know, in the coming games, uh, and that's been our biggest kryptonite under Klopp, I would say. But I think, you know, it was really pleasing. You know, I think this team, you get the sense now, uh, there's a kind of level of trust building up, I think, in the fan base. We seem to know what we're good at and what we're not. You know, I think if you compare us, say, to Man City, a team like that, you know, um, they've won eight more games than us, or they they had won eight more games uh, prior to the Newcastle game. 
and I think where you know where they really excel over us, and the reason why they've won those extra games is just because of the quality of their midfield. Now our midfield's been weakened, you know. Now Coutinho's gone, but I think we're you know we're we're just balancing it well. Klopp knows how to grind out the result with this group of players. And while it's not spectacular, you know, we're not creating chance after chance like Man City do, for example. But we just know that even though we lack that creativity in the midfield zone, we make up for the ability. Uh, we make up for that in our ability to to react quickly. So, so for example, the first goal, you know, it was a bit of a bit of a lucky break, but. Um, mm. Once the ball fell kindly to the ox, you know, he drove forward. Mo Salah was arriving on the flank, you know, there were plenty of options. And then he, he stuck it away beautifully, you know. So um, I think that that compactness in our play is quite pleasing to see. And I think for the second goal as well, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about sometimes we don't play with enough wit and we're not stretching teams enough. But I think even that second goal, you know, we kept our compactness, played vertically, you know, forward passes all the way. But even though the, um, you know, the n- lots of numbers back for Newcastle, the movement was just too good for them. And then we got that second goal and the game was a formality after that. So uh, really, really pleasing. Um, and I, I, I'm really liking this evolution of the team. Absolutely. And uh, did you have a specific question for the panel? I did have a question which isn't quite related to that point. Um, but what, I was slightly surprised not to see Matip start ahead of Lovren. Um, against the Park Bus, I think, you know, the better, the more, the better quality passes you've got in the team, uh, I think the better chance you've got of actually breaking down the park bus. So I was a bit surprised to see Klopp start with Lovren, um, given that I don't feel that we need to rotate defenders as much as the outfield players. So just just be grateful to hear the panel's thoughts on that, really. Absolutely. And more, I'm going to come to you first on this one, because again, you know, we, we do have um, bodies in, in the defence and it's great because, you know, Klopp does have that flexibility to kind of rotate his defenders. Last week, it was Matip. He had a great game. Uh, the game before that, it was Porto. And I thought Dejan Lovren had a great game. He got brought back in. We know Van Dijk is like the, the show starter. Um, your your thoughts on on Klopp's rotation of of the defenders? I mean, do you think it's just keeping everyone alert and you know sharp, or or do you think he picks and chooses what defenders probably probably better suited against which opposition? Very much like he has been doing with the midfield. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the latter. I, I think that um, well, more the latter than the former. I think they uh, look at the opposition, uh, look at the way they'd like to attack, look at um, the personnel that they've got at their disposal and then make a take a view. And certainly Lovren and Matip are different kinds of, of um, centre-backs. And, uh, you know, we, we, we do know that obviously Lovren is always um, game for a mistake or an error. But uh, certainly when he plays in the right centre-back position, he seems to be more consistent. Um, and again, there's that word, more disciplined. And, you know, I think that with uh, Van Dyke next to him, um, he certainly seems to be playing uh, to a higher standard. And I think that's something that I talked about, I think the last time I was on, um, that when Van Dyke was going to come in, um, he would have this effect on the players around him. And I think we've seen that with Robertson, we've seen that with Karius, and we've seen yes. it with whether it's Matip or Lovren next to him. Um, and I think it's also the manager having um, the confidence in uh, both players to be able to slot in and um, still perform and so you know I, th- I think that that's you know really really encouraging and it also shows that all the players are at ease with one another as well um, because normally I, I wouldn't be too keen on this much rotation in the defence um, traditionally you'd like that back line to be um, as stable as possible and traditionally mm. um, you know that's how 
you have effective defences who concede very little. But um, you know, whether it's Lovren or Matip, uh, we generally tend to um, allow the opposition's very few shots on goal. And um, you know, our record defensively um, you know, over, over the last couple of months has been really, really good. So uh, I, I think it's been very well managed by Klopp and. Uh, I think it's also a testament to the, his man management as well that clearly none of the players, their heads drop when they are benched. Um, they just understand that that's how it is and and it's all about the team rather than the individuals. So it, it's all really, really good and very positive uh, going forward. Fair enough. And uh, Cozy, I'm going to come to you. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because obviously it's something that we've been bitching and mourning about. We, we need a settled you know, back five with the goalkeeper as well. It seems that, you know, Carries now has pretty much established himself as number one. We'll probably speak about him later in the show. But um, I think more touched on something really excellent there, that Van Dijk has um, kind of pretty much improved every player around him because of his leadership skills, you know, the fact that he shouts and communicates with people. We did the Everton FA Cup post-match, you were on there, we were absolutely, you know, bamboozled and, you know, in awe of the fact that he was screaming away at Carrius, trying to get him up to speed with where his thought process was. Do you think right now Klopp is rotating because maybe he's trying to figure out who is his best centre-back part, centre back partnership for for um van dyke or or do you think it is very much i'm just gonna i'm gonna just keep all the lads fit and healthy and just you know try getting the most out of them till the end of the season i'm not sure it's it's a tough one i mean ideally um if i think in his own head if he had a defined first choice center back pairing i think he'd pick them for every game i Um, agree I don't think he knows I himself think he's sold what his on best one, isn't he? is. He's sold on one and he doesn't know about the other option. Exactly. It's similar to the goalkeeping situation where he had Mignolet in the in the league and Karras in the Champions League. He didn't quite know who his first choice is, so he sort of was giving them both chances. Now he seems a bit more sure about who's going to be his number one going forward in all matches, which is at the moment Karras. Van Dijk is obviously first choice centre-back. And then it's sort of flipping a coin to see who partners him on a week-to-week basis. And it might be a bit of uh, horses for courses as well in terms of Matip or, or, or Lovren. Um, in an ideal world, for me, I'd want a settled centre-back partnership as long as they're fit to play every game. Um, yeah. If you look back to where we've been successful in terms of winning trophies, if you look at most successful teams down the years, it's usually a settled keeper and, and, and centre-backs most most games and across competitions as well. So if you look at, if you, if you go back and look at sort of some of the best teams you can, rem- you can remember and you look at how many appearances the, the, the centre-backs made, they're usually about in the 40s or, or even 50s um, for, for each centre-back and the keeper as well. Mm. So that, that, that settledness is, is really what you need to be, to be successful. Obviously, you're not going to get that if um, you've got, weaknesses at the back or injuries that's another thing as well to, to keep in mind is that the, the two of them both of them are quite injury prone um so mm. it might be it might be a case of not trying to burn out each one and making sure that when you do need one of them there are they are they do have good match practice um so it might it might be sort of a bit of a bit of all of that um, do you think he's playing for the shop window like i mean like i'm not setting an agenda here but like Everyone thought, oh, uh, Van Dyke's coming, Lovren's out. Do, do you think he's potentially maybe playing him more, knowing that maybe somebody like Van Dyke will maybe make him look a little better, which means that he's a bit more desirable in that shop window, meaning he might be able to get some money for him and then buy his defender in the summer? No, I don't think so. No, I, I, I think it's, I think it's really, I think he's, I think Klopp's the type of manager, most managers really are, are not going to sort of 
you know, pick someone to the detriment of their team to, to advertise them to the shop window. He has improved, though. Um, I will give him credit. I yeah. think both the defenders do look better with Van Dijk. They do look better with Van Dijk. And, and you know, you, you would you would do. Um, you've got someone who's... who's, who's I a think presence. he looks good again with Van Dijk. He's, yeah, I, I, I look better with Van Dijk as well, definitely. The keeper looks better. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the Everton game where he was screaming at, 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 um, at Karius. Do you remember the Lovren mistake for their penalty as well? Um, you know, the likes of Matip and Lovren do have an error in them, even with Van Dijk, though. There's, there have been games when they've, they've both sort of done a, a cock-up <laughs> and, and, and it's been costly. But it, it has been less so than, 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 pre, than, than previously. So it definitely helps to have at least one really good defender. It's better than having having two sort of dodgy ones next to each other, obviously. Um, I think going forward, we're talking about sort of next season and, and onwards, you'd want probably a new centre-back to partner Van Dijk. So you, you have your established first-choice pairing. And then if you had mm. Matip and Lovren as, as your backup, then I think, you know, I think most of us would, would be satisfied with that. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good point in terms of, you know, rotation. Um, I, you know, I've sort of mentioned before that I'd, I'd rather not rotate at the back. I don't know what, what the, you know, the stats are with regards to, you know, players playing too many, too many times and, and, and burning out and, and, you know, being at risk of injury. I've always been of the mind that. It's a great first, shout though, the fact yeah. that he's rotating. Because remember last, was it last season when Lucas had to play centre back? Was it last season? It was last, it, it, it was last season. It was the year before. But in terms of burnout, the centre backs don't usually run as much as the other players. So I, I've always been of the mind that it's not, it's not much, it's not as much of an issue as the other outfield players. So I don't know. And to the point with regards to who would I rather, I'd, I'd go for Matip. And it's more, less errors um, in terms of defending. And on, on an attacking and creative point of view, I, I do like the way he plays. I've mentioned this a couple of times. I do like the way he plays in terms of vertical passes um, mm. into, into the four players' feet and being creative from that perspective. I do like, I do like that, that sort of asset of his game. Of this game, so uh, that's what I think. Fair enough. And Asha, I'm going to come back to you. You've heard what the lads have said. They've kind of discussed that in depth. I think you know they they do prefer um, Matip as a more suitable pairing for Van Dyke. I'd let you have the the final say on that. Yeah, I think all valid points, Nina, from from all the guys. And um, I think for me, I, I agree. Matip would be my first choice, certainly till the end of the season. I think I get mm. the feeling that Klopp maybe feels that. Um, you know, just the fact he's not sticking to his man. I think I mentioned this in a previous pod, actually. But um, I think Klopp's shown when he trusts a player, he tends to play that player um, in the first mm. eleven more more often than not. So this rotation with Matip and Lovren is quite interesting because for this particular game, I would have selected Matip. I don't see what Lovren brought to that game. I think Lovren's strength is his physicality. And actually, ironically, I think he's probably better suited to the Man U game next weekend. Um, was Matip? So you'd you'd of... pick Lovren against um, Manchester United. I was actually going to ask you that. that yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Matip would be my first choice, and actually, I wouldn't. You know, I'm not a big fan of Lovren at all because I think we've seen, you know, Lovren. I mean, he's got better with Van Dijk. Van Dijk's been awesome just for the the whole defence, really. You know, the, the confidence that he breeds, and you can just see mm. that everybody is just that much more assured in their play. Um, Matip, for me, I think he's he's the better defender, and he makes less mistakes than Lovren. Uh, but that's not to say mm. that he doesn't make mistakes at all. Um, but I think his his game is all about you know anticipation and passing the ball, keeping the ball and probing. You know helps helps Henderson a, a lot when uh, Henderson mm. plays the number six role. Whereas Lovren is just a kind of brawler, isn't he? He just gets involved in a scrap, heading the ball out. So against physical teams, I think Lovren's quite good. 
so I think, yeah. Kind of wears his heart on the sleeve, doesn't he? He's that kind he of does, defender. He does, which, That's yeah. the thing. That's mm. the thing. And um, I think for United against Lukaku, they're, they're just a very direct team, United, you know, and I think it maybe suits Lovren a bit better because I don't think we'll play too open against United. So I don't think we need to be expansive. I think what we need to be is solid against United because we've got the quality to basically break any team down. Uh, so I think in terms of solidity, I think we'll play a bit more cautious, perhaps against United. They'll be the home side. So the onus will be on them to break us down. Um, and I think once Lovren gets that protection, when you've got aerial duels, I think him and Van Dijk, you know, they're, they're pretty good together. But I think, yeah, certainly for the rest of the season, I think you, you want to, um, I'd like to see Klopp just, just focus on, you know, what's his defence going to look like next season? And if he believes that defence is going to include Karius in goal, obviously Van Dijk's going to be there. And if he believes that, he, you know, one of these guys can be Van Dijk's long-term partner, I just liked him to stick with his man and just uh, play them in pretty much every game between now and the end of the season. I, I think that's, um, you know, a, a fair ask of um, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool Football Club. Um, I don't think you're being unreasonable there at all, Ash. I think most of us okay. want that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but thank you so much for calling. No worries. Pleasure to be on. It's a pleasure having you, Ash. Thank okay, you. All the best, guys. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so that was Ash Hebbs, our second caller. I've got the caller sheet here from Gags, and all it says for my third caller is Bargy. That's what we call him, but let me formally introduce him. It's Harinder Singh, co-host of the Desi AI podcast, also a bit of a part-time writer as well, um, king of Photoshop and the gift game. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, an intro I'm sure I won't pay you for later. I promise. Oh, yes, um, Times are hard. <laughs> Send bread. If you don't want me to tell people what you said before this pod started, I'll stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I thought so. Oh, what a day. Uh, nice win, huh? <laughs> it is nice. I, you do feel, I always feel a little bad on Rafa. That part of me will never change, though. But um, I'd like to hear think, your thoughts yeah. and uh, your questions. Yeah, no, I think so. I think the whole fan base will feel that right in regards to you know there's always going to be a special place for Rafa Benitez with all Liverpool fans and if there isn't there's something wrong with you genuinely something wrong with you as a Liverpool fan if there isn't even um, him. absolutely um mm. but that being said business is business mm -hmm. someone had to take the points and it had to be us and we did you know if you look at the, the way results are going around us Tottenham are hot on our heels in respect to the um chasing second place first is gone right let's face it i don't think we're gonna unless city have a monumental failure in the upcoming matches um i don't think there's gonna be any spectacular collapse so it really is the other places now and we're playing for positions in the league so you know if liverpool are going to go for it um just keep on going see where it goes and and hopefully finishing um the position we're in now which is second um i'd love to finish first so i still pray for the city collapse until it's mathematically impossible um but, yeah, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. That being said, that being said, talking about stranger things that have happened, my questions are on a stranger thing that happened to us back in January. So, leaving the match aside, it's been two months now, give or take, since Phil's gone. Have we even looked back since then, given the way that we are playing? P.S. Can we beat Man United? Okay, we're going to discuss uh, the first part of your question first, and then we'll we'll discuss Man United, and we'll bring you in on that discussion as well. Okay, so um, 
Mo, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, Coutinho, massive loss. I mean, like, he was the big player. Shocked that Klopp would sell him and then not replace him. But as things stand, we are playing great football. We are scoring. The, the front three look completely unfazed. Um, still scoring, still producing. You know, um, it is, it's, it's a nice situation to be in because normally, as a Liverpool fan, um, certainly in recent years, when we've lost our better players or one of our best players and we failed to replace them, it's really hurt us and hurt us bad. And I feel like maybe not the case at the moment. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I think we signed Brundish this past week, uh, put out some stats on Twitter about how we fared with Phil and without Phil. And um, I fear to say that this season we've actually been better without him than we had been with him. Um, all, all of that said, though, I mean, I'm part of a WhatsApp group with Budgie and he knows that back in January I was fuming more than most um, about the fact that we let our best player go, which wasn't a massive deal, but so much as the, the fact that we didn't replace him in January. And I thought it was a massive risk massive risk to not replace him given how congested the top of the table is and i thought look you know we're really jeopardizing our chances of finishing top four and if we don't finish top four it will be back to square one same old excuses well we can't recruit top players because without champions league it's difficult to attract the best ones and the same old excuses we hear or have heard season in season out and all of that is a distant memory because since he disappeared um we've been playing even better you know phil who is, is really um the kind you mean of Coutinho, best way to summarize Coutinho? Coutinho? <laughs> <laughs> well that's it yeah i mean even uh, i think the barcelona manager is asking that because he dropped him the other the other the other week but um yeah, I, I think we're looking good, but I don't think we should get too much of ahead of ourselves because Agreed. look, there's still nine games to go and a lot can happen. All it takes is one blip. You know, we can have a bad result against United and then a couple of other disappointing results. And before you know it, we can end up in fifth. So, you know, we've, we've got a crucial few weeks uh, coming up and I'm sure that the manager will do absolutely everything he can to make sure each and every player that goes out to play on that pitch for Liverpool Football Club doesn't take the position that we're in for granted. Yes, we're on 60 points. Yes, we've got nine games to go and perhaps we only need another 15 or 16 or in other words, five wins and a, and a draw. But you know, we certainly can't take that attitude. We need to go out and play every game and try and win it. And you know, we might drop points and certainly we might uh, drop points against United. Uh, but... Um, you know, we, we need to do everything we can to make sure it's mathematically impossible for anyone to catch us up. And then perhaps we can take our foot off the pedal. Um, but until then, uh, there has to be 100% focus. Absolutely. And Cozy, I'm going to come to you. It's so nice that we are winning without Coutinho because there'd been nothing worse than losing your best player. And we're sat here discussing if you know we were really missing Phil's creativity there, that spark from the midfield. And it's nice that we're, we're winning. Of course, it's nice we're winning. We're Liverpool fans. Of course, it's nice we're winning. But it's great that we're not having that discussion right now. And I think Mo's quite right to say let's not jump the gun because just, you know, like things are good now. Let's hope they stay that way. Let's not jinx ourselves. But I think one thing that's really helped is the fact that um, is 
I've, I've noticed little things. I've noticed that, you know, people were assuming there's going to be a lot of pressure on people like Oxlade-Chamberlain with Coutinho leaving because he's going to have to fill into that role or slot into that. And I think he's taken on that role really well. I think the attackers have also um, sort of um, stepped up their game. You, you notice things like Firmino really sort of working from deep and working his way forward. I feel like they've all taken that responsibility of the lack of Coutinho in that team and um, really up their game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, like Mo, I was fuming when we sold Coutinho. I, I, thought, it was a, I thought it was a massive risk. And yeah. um, I thought we, we were you know, unnecessarily weakening our, our, our position. Um, I think it's been 10 games since we've, we've, since we've sold him in all competitions and we've won seven, lost two and drawn one. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's an excellent, it's an excellent, uh, run, run of results. Um, you know, we, we got knocked out of the cup. You might think, you know, in that sort of game, would, would we have been in a better position to go through if we had Coutinho in the side? You know, there's no guarantees, but that was the feeling at the time. And, and the defeat to Swansea, I think we were having that debate as well. Um, but you can't argue with seven wins in 10 games. And I agree with you that some players have definitely stepped up. And at the time, I thought the front three would definitely need to step up. I mean, they were playing, they were playing well and had good stats, um, anyway. And when good stats is in, you know, Salah was having his best season of his career. Sadio Martin was having his best season in terms of numbers than even last season. Um, Firmino was having the best, his best Liverpool season. So they were playing well anyway, but I thought they would, they would have to produce even more to sort of keep us in the hunt. And that's what they've done. Um, you know, Coutinho, when we sold him, was still, I think, our most second productive player in terms of goals and assists. So it was, although you've got stats that suggest we, we did better without him than with him, his actual contribution, especially in the last few weeks before we sold him, was really good. He was really hitting some, some top form, and I thought the side was in really good form with him in it. Um, so it's really positive that the front three have really stepped up. You know, and even the likes of Ox- Oxley Chamberlain, he's been in and out of the side a little bit since since we sold um, Coutinho. But when he has played, he's, he's, he's been good. You've had a couple of goals from Memory Chan as well in that in that time. But I think the the front three, their performance, their productivity, and and actually them being fit in every game since then has definitely helped. None of them have missed game time since Coutinho has been injured, and I think that's key. And I think that's key going forward as well. If they stay fit, I think we will get top top three, top four. And probably get to the well. We will get to the quarterfinals of the of the Champions League. Whoever we get in the draw, I think, will determine whether we get even further. So we could it could be a situation where we get to the semi-finals of the Champions League and we finish second in the league, and that would be, you know, that would be sort of classed as a successful season. Um, you know, but I think it does hinge upon the front three staying fit. I think keeping Coutinho would have allowed maybe one injury to the front three, and we'd still be in the right. So, for example, if you had Salah or Mane get injured, then you could put uh, Coutinho on on one on one of the wings, and either if a Salah or Mane on the other, and we'd still, I think, have a potent attacking um, attacking threat in in all those three front positions. But with with him gone, I think it it sort of puts us in a position where it's the front three, and then we haven't got much behind them. So it's it's fingers crossed, really. The last sort of couple of months, we've had no injury problems, which is fantastic. Hopefully, that continues right up until the end of the season. Because um, I think that's when we will get that debate again. If they stay fit, I don't think we'll be having the debate. But if if one of, one or two of them get injured, then I think we'll we will. But at the moment, it's been brilliant. We've not missed them, um, and the results have spoken for themselves. It's been it's it, it's been fantastic. 
Absolutely. And for a brief second, I'm going to bring Gags in because I think he's got a stat that I don't want to butcher because he is the king of stats. So Gags, come in. What stat have you got on Ox for us? I wouldn't say I'm the king, but Ox has got five assists, two goals in the last 10 games. This is from Bees on Twitter, you know, in basically tuned to red. And that's more goal contributions in 10 games than he managed in league and Europe in five of his six seasons at Arsenal. So that's what Ox is doing. And that's all from Bees. So yeah, I'm not plagiarising. No, you're not. I had a look. I had a look at Ox's. I had a look at Ox's stats on for Arsenal just on Wikipedia a couple of days ago, and I think his top, his top goal scoring tally is two goals <laughs> in his Arsenal career, which is absolutely crazy. <laughs> and he's already yeah. he's, he's he's already matched that for Liverpool. So yeah, <laughs> great. Absolutely wonderful stuff. And um, obviously, I've spoken to more Cozy Gags. Thank you so much for that stat, Harinda. I'm going to bring you in. Your thoughts on what the lads have said before we move on to the second part of your question. It's like Kelly Clarkson, isn't it? Since you've been gone from way back when. Um, I always seem to have pop trivia when I come on your show. But yeah, that, that's how it's been for me that, you know, our Liverpool breathing again. Yeah, they moved on and, and they're getting what they want. They're getting results and good results and they're scoring for fun. You know, um, team parks are bust. We used to be worried. Team parks the bus now, you sit there and think, okay, we're going to start grinding you down and wear you out. And then slowly but surely, we'll pick at your holes. And, and that's what I like about Liverpool that we've got right now. Um, I agree with what Cuzzy said. You know what? If our front three get injured, you do start being to suck your teeth and think, shit, what's going to happen next? Um, mm. So my other prayer, along with the Man City collapse that I hope for and pray for every single day, is that the front three, or the whole team as it stands, stays fit. Because it's, I think that's pivotal to what comes next. Mm, absolutely. And on a weird side note, um, I so badly want to hack into your Spotify account. <laughs> I'll just give you the login. It's fine. It's not much there. It's not that exciting. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cheesy pop songs. I'm down for that. Right. Your second part of the question. Can we beat Manchester United? So, Harinda, you can come in. We can have a discussion here right now. More given the fact that we've been watching United, they are dull, they are uninspiring, um, they kind of put you to sleep considering with all the money they've spent and all the creative players they bought in, even people like Sanchez don't even look great anymore. That's not me being a bitter Liverpool fan, this is just an observation that I've made. My mum's a United fan, she hates watching them play, that tells you everything you need to know. Um, but your thoughts, I mean we're playing amazing football, do you think we've got enough to... Uh, Break down Jose's bus that is made out of vibranium. <laughs> I'll be totally out. Of, yeah, um, I, I agree with um, it was Cousy's point earlier about um, the fact that you know, being at home, United can't afford to park the bus or at least a double decker version of it um, at Old Trafford, and um, they have to be a little bit more adventurous and try to take the game to us a little bit more than they certainly did earlier in the season at Anfield when. They clearly had no intention of trying to uh, uh, take the game to us throughout the entire 90 minutes. Um, you know, we, we've got plays that can really hurt them. Um, at the same time, there's clearly dissension within the ranks at United. Um, as I kind of expected would happen, um, Sanchez coming in has rocked the boat, um, not only because obviously he dis- he's displaced um, Martial, who'd been playing quite well on the left wing and he's had to go out on the right. Um, but also Pogba has um, now ended up in quite a difficult situation with Mourinho again because of Sanchez. 
uh, because Mourinho wants to now go with a 4-2-3-1 system and he's asking Pogba to play in that midfield two behind the, uh, the front four and that's something that he really hates to do. Um, so it, it's been brilliant actually Sanchez going into us into Man United um, and, and, and Sanchez you know himself you know the icing on the cake is he, he has been um, overall quite disappointed uh, but I don't want to tempt fate too much by saying that because uh, you know he, he obviously is, is a very very capable player but I, I think we really should go into that game with confidence you know this is a team United that are disjointed incoherent um and, you know, there's some big egos at play that I don't think quite get on. Whereas, in contrast, the Liverpool team feels like it's one, it's um, very united and, mm. uh, you know, playing as a real collective. And I think we'll really get our chances. And I think it really depends on how well uh, David De Gea plays. Um, he normally plays really well against us. But, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely going to get chances against him and... Uh, We'll just have to see if we can out, out, out fox him. And if we can, um, and if, you know, certainly Van Dyke and co um, hold firm at the back and Karius, who seems to be growing in confidence with every single game, you know, if they all play well and do their part at the back, um, you know, we can walk away with um, a famous victory. Absolutely. And that game's a day before Mother's Day. And I'd like to stick it to my mum just before Mother's Day, before she gets her gifts. Uh, Cuzzy, I am going to come to you because, you know, it is an important game. For me, it is like the biggest game of the season. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that because obviously there's Everton still um, whilst they're still in this league. Um, but it is the biggest game. We don't like Jose Mourinho. We can't stick Manchester United. I, I know Man United fans. I have some that are related to me, obviously. And um, they really don't like Liverpool. And, um, you know, they, there's genuine fear amongst the United fans that I know. I mean, you, I don't think anyone wants to play us because we are, like, frightening. And that's not me being over the top. I just think we have so much pace, so much threat. Uh, but the biggest test will be, like I said, Jose Mourinho and his bus. Absolutely. It's the, the, the Old Trafford League fixture is my most hated fixture of the season. It's, it's the game I'm most stressed in. Um, mm. yeah, I'm never comfortable with it. So shall I not game. call you next week? No, I am usually in pieces uh, watching that game. Even, even the very dominant 13 14 when we, when we, you know, when we, pretty much just, you know, strolled over them and beat them 3 no, and it was easy. I was still stressed out watching that. Um, but, you know, I agree with most of what Mo said there, but they are very, very difficult to beat. Even though they're disjointed, even though they don't play great football at the moment and, you know, it's not harmonious in their camp at the moment. They're very, very difficult to beat at Old Trafford. I think they've lost one game, all competitions at home. That was the Manchester City 2-1 defeat. Um, mm. I watched, I watched them play Tottenham. Who, who was in great form coming up, leading up to that game, similar to the type of form we're in at the moment. And Manchester United played that the away side. They, they let Spurs have, have the ball. Spurs struggled to create anything. Um, and Man United caught them with the sucker punch, long ball flick on one nil. And it's such a typical Jose Mourinho sort of performance against the top side at home. And I think he'll mm. play the exact same tactics against us. I think they'll be happy to, to, to let us have the ball. There's no way he's going to have his team play into our hands. So, you know, the, the, the type of things that we like to do away from home. Do you think set, then what we need traps. to do is take some... Do you, sorry, because do you think we need to take some inspiration maybe from the Spurs game at Wembley Stadium where they just sucker punched them straight away, took their early chance? 
because we're going to have to do that because if they're going to yeah. weigh out and be patient, we need to take our chances quick. We do need to. I think we need we need to be patient. I don't want to get caught on it. If we get caught on a counter attack um, and, and 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 lose a goal that way, I'm going to be so pissed off. Um, yeah. I I would I would be happy for us to be patient and play percentages ourselves, and when we get our opportunities to counter, I really don't want to you know do what they want us to do, which is you know suck suck us in and then catch us in a counter attack. Um, I wouldn't mind a nil nil draw. I'd, I'd I'd be happy with the point there, to be honest. Um, I just don't want to get caught up. So many times we've played against Mourinho teams and his tactics have got us, um, you know, the, the, the infamous game in the 13, 14 season with Chelsea came to Anfield. That one still hurts. Um, and it's just, just, just a number of games where, where he's done it. Obviously we've beaten his sides a lot as well, but it's just for me, it's just set up for him to, to, tr- to try those tactics with us. I don't think he's going to, he's going to have his team play like, a genuine home team. I think it's going to be cagey from them, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's not a fantastic game, um, and it's sort of two cagey teams, you know, playing out a, a sort of a tight affair. I see it as that more as a you know, more than a, a sort of you know a, an attacking performance from both teams. I see it being kind mm. of cagey, and I wouldn't really mind that. I just want to get something from that game. Um, I'd take a point if I'm honest. If we win, it would be magnificent. But I, I would take a point. I think that's a fair assessment, and I think you're right. You know, they they do suck the the life and the joy out of watching football. You know, back in the day, um, Herinda, I'll bring you in. Um, you know, the game that they just played last weekend. You know, Man United versus Chelsea used to be, you know, quite a good fixture, and it was like the worst game I ever witnessed. But um, despite them winning, but um, your thoughts? You've heard what the panel um, have said. What do you think? I think the panel raised some interesting points, but to counter those um, to some degree, go back to last week, Chelsea had the upper hand near enough straight away. And had they scored, I think, you know, right, if Murata had actually finished, we need it. Um, game would have been completely different, right? Because United would have had no choice but to come at them and actually try and do something. Whereas most teams, if you let United actually play the way they want to play, they're going to stifle the life out of anything. So I think Klopp would sit there and look at them and go, right, you know what? Last time when we played you, tactically, we outsmarted you because I had Carrick in the midfield. We didn't start Phil. I remember Phil was on the bench. I can't remember why Phil was on the bench, though. I can't for the life remember why Phil was on the bench. But um, we had the measure of them in the first half. You know, then they had to, I think they took Carrick off and um, who came on? Not It wasn't Abraham. Um, it was the other, the potato, Rooney. Rooney came on. Last time around. So, without sounding too bad. Why are you disrespecting you, potatoes for? I'm disrespecting Rooney more than potatoes, to be honest. No, you know, potatoes taste grand. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. Um, in coming back to United for a second, though, I, I just think Liverpool, disciplined, could go there and impose themselves. And and act like the home team. Because wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great just to go and piss all over Jose on his home turf, playing the kind of football that his United fans, or the United fans, sorry, are so desperate to see. They lord us. Week in, week out, they lord us. They go on about how the fact that, you know, this is the kind of football we wish that we were playing. What's he going to do? He stifles the midfield, or he stifles the middle, he's going to push you out wide. If he pushes you out wide, then Liverpool just very, very intelligent as they can be and get around them. I think Liverpool are clever enough to actually get force themselves to get behind 
United's defence and therefore threaten De Gea. And the thing is, though, it's not a single threat on De Gea. There's one, two, three, four, five. You just look through the team, you sit there and think, okay, this could get really tasty and really interesting. So I think it's not. I think it's going to be the antithesis of um, boring United football or a boring match at um, Old Trafford. I think Liverpool could go there and do some serious damage, but they just have to get the tactics right to do it. And I, I, I suspect Klopp will. Having beaten Porto 5-0 has given us a nice place to be come Tuesday. You know, we don't have to stress really, and you know, mm. unless we're 4-0 at half-time down, then I would be stressing, I'd be fucking shooting myself and thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Um, unless something like that happens, and let's face it, I don't think it will, um, Liverpool can be quite relaxed about Tuesday. You know, just play your game, be guarded, don't do anything stupid, and get through the game Party without fucking injuries. Boss. Yeah, I think Porto won't give two shits either, to be fair. They're not looking, they, they don't see a, a turnaround from 5-0 down themselves. I don't think any team would. You know, it's, it'll take something out of biblical proportions. It'll be like in um, PSG against Barca, but I don't think that's going to happen somehow, yeah. You know, so my, my thinking is, is that Klopp will go full throttle at them. And why not? Wouldn't it be fucking great, you know, just to go to Old Trafford and seriously piss on their chips and piss on their chips playing the Liverpool way that we've seen this season? I'm all for it. I'll be there at 12.30 next week, um, along with my good friend, Mr. Tony Coley. So both of us, we've seen many United, many a United away together, have sat there and sometimes left and gone, we could have fucking had him. Especially last season, we couldn't believe that um, Ibrahimovic got that equaliser. Then I couldn't believe that Firmino and Ginny missed afterwards because we could have got a second goal back. You know, with about five, six minutes to go, wherever it was. So we all had it, you know, we had it in our hands. It was within our grasp to actually go and do them. So I think this time around we could do it. Love the optimism and I hope it is a pleasant journey. I know you like coming back um, and hammering them. So um, obviously as a Liverpool fan and every Liverpool fan wants to stick it to them, I hope you're right. Um, I, I like the fact that you highlight the fact that we don't need to go kind of all gung-ho in in Europe. You know, we can kind of relax a little and save all our energy and... Um, all our venom for um, Josie and his um, his bus. But Harinda, thank you so much for calling. No problems. My last question then to you, Nina, and to the panel is, do you think United are fit enough? If Liverpool went full throttle, do you think they'd actually last the 90 minutes? I don't. No, I, I don't think they, they could deal with the press. I, I don't, I don't, I even think they, I think... I think it was last season or something. I remember Gags. I mean, I, I'm, I hope I'm not wrong here. And if I'm wrong, he'll come in and shout at me. But I'm sure he said they're the team that they they run the least or thereabouts. Oh, I'm, I'm correct. There you go. The producer said I am correct. They run the least. So, yeah, if we press the shit out of them, they won't know what's hit them. I mean, guys, um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think they'll struggle in that respect. And, and I think the midfield battle as it typically is, is where it really could be won or lost. And I think that they'll go with two, um, Pogba and McTominay. And if they're up against Chan, Henderson, and either Ox or Milner, um, they'll just be over and like something rotten in, in the middle of the park. And, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, the likes of Mane, Salah, Bobby uh, will definitely get chances. And... You know, the, the United defence, I mean, even though it has been the most miserly 
um, and conceded the least amount of goals in the league this season. It's not so much because you know their defenders are so so great. It's more because they've got an incredible goalkeeper. Um, you know he's mm-hmm. made more saves than any goalkeeper in the league this season. And, and normally it's goalkeepers towards the bottom of the table that make the most saves. Um, so it shows just how busy he's had to be this season um, because, you know, the, the defenders in front of him, um, you know, the likes of Smalling, um, you know, Lindelof and the likes of them have, have not really been hitting those high levels that we've seen from some of the great United defenders in the past. And uh, you know, I think we should go into that game with every bit of confidence. I, I think that United fans... And I think the players themselves will be fearing us. And I expect negative tactics. And that will confirm that United, United's manager, Mourinho, will be fearing us as well. So, you know, I, I don't think we've got anything majorly to worry about. We just have to hold our nerve, play our game, um, just like we do um, against all the top teams. And if we, if we play the way that we can and fulfil our potential, then um, we should walk away with a win. Kuzi, your final thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm just, I just think it's no coincidence that, um, you know, Klopp's still got a, a great record for Liverpool against the other top six teams. But winning at Old Trafford has been, as, as, as I think has been the toughest challenge. And it, it's not, it's not because, you know, they're one of the better top six teams. I just think it's, it's totally to do with style and tactics. And, um, if United were to play, try and play it from the back, try and play football, I think we would kill them with the press. Um, I really do. I, I just can't see them playing like that. I think the ball's going to be, when they're in possession, I can see it being in the air more than on the floor. Um, I think the tactic is going to be to knock it long to Lukaku and play for knock, for knockdowns. I do agree more in that it's going to be heavily contested in midfield, a lot of 50 50s, you know, bouncing balls and the rest of it. Um, but I, I just don't think that they're going to be playing uh, passes along the grass in their, in their final third and in the midfield for us, for us to set traps and, and, and win the ball and spring on them. I just, I think Marino's tactics are going to be to try and nullify that as much as possible. And that is my only concern, really. Not that they're better than us, not that they they pose more than a threat. It's just those tactics that I think, um, you know, where it's, it's sort of the, the anti-Liverpool, I think. It's our kryptonite, I think, those tactics. And um, that is my sort of main con- concern. And, you know, as Mo made a, a great point just then, that it was sort of confirmed that they fear us. Um, I agree with that, but I don't think I don't think Marino sort of cares about that. Um, he, I, he's not. He, he just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I've seen previous games, even managing Real Madrid, where he's gone against inferior opposition and, and put men behind the ball and, and, and gone long with you know with Gal- with a Galactico squad. He just doesn't care. He, it's all about the result for him. So it, I I can't see him sort of playing open football against us, and I think it's going to be a tough game because of that. If we score an early goal, then it, it, it all changes, doesn't it? It's completely in our hands then. So um, taking chances is another thing that's really important. Harinda uh, mentioned missing a couple of chances last season at Old Trafford. That's one thing we can't do. Cannot miss opportunities. Got to take them. Fair enough. And Harinda, and thank you so much. Oh, go on. I, I agree with Kazi and Mo. You know, it's, it's a chance-taking kind of game. And fuck Maureen. There you go. I hate him. I absolutely fucking hate him. Anyone who ever wanted Liverpool to have Maureen as their manager, I hate you too. There you go. Up the nice. Reds. Nice. <laughs> Up the Reds. Well, Harinda, thank you so much for your call. No problems. Thank you very much for having me on, guys. It's always a pleasure. Okay, so that was Harinda, our final caller on this Nina Carter show. And that is just myself, Mo, and Cuzzy, and we're just going to 
briefly talk about, well, discuss the players that have not been discussed. So I think the first place to start is Carrius. Um, growing game by game in confidence, produced a phenomenal save. And Cozy, I'm going to come to you because you tweeted something and I, I, I had to retweet it or something along them lines where you said if that was Mignolet, it's easy 1-1. You know, it was a pivotal save at a crucial moment in the game. Um, he's looking good, isn't he? Looking really good. And yeah, if it was Mignolet or even Carrius in previous form, I think it's 1-1. Um, and, you know, a game where you've controlled and dominated and all, all of a sudden it's 1-1 and you give the opposition confidence. And how many of those have we seen in previous seasons? Um, so it's it's the sort of performance from Carriers today where if it was uh, the Gea that put that in put a performance in such as that, he'd be getting rave reviews and rightly so. Didn't have much to do when he did. He pulled off a really good save. Um, and there was another instance where he came, a couple of instances where he came for crosses and caught them really well as well. Um, so I think it was a really good performance. Did what he had to do. Looked really tidy. Um, kept kept the ball out of the net, and you know that's 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 what you want. And he's and he's been doing this for the last few games. He, he's he's saved the team points, you know. Um, he's put in some really he's pulled off some really good saves. Um, and you know that's what you that's what you ask what you're asking for. He's also contributed to goals as well. Not not today, but in previous games he's done so. So he's in really good form. If he keeps this up for the rest of the season, then I don't think we'll be having any clamouring for a new keeper. Maybe a, a new backup keeper, but not to replace him. I think he's been, I think he's been really, really good these last couple of games, and I hope it just continues, continues, and he just does this for the rest of the season. Absolutely. And more your thoughts on Carrius? Uh, still, lots of talk about the goalkeeper. Will he get replaced in the summer? Yada yada yada. Uh, your your thoughts on on Carrius? And you know, uh, you know, you got to give him a shout out. That was that was a world class save today. Oh, it was. Um, you know, I was trying to think back to um, whenever Mignolet might have made a save of that quality, and I really was struggling. I mean, he made a wonder save last season against, I think it was Stoke, um, but um, that kind of save at full stretch, um, you know, it, it was just something that Mignolet just wouldn't have done. And, uh, you know, we've been seeing this now, um, game after game, where we've had maybe a 1 0 lead and Carriage has come in with a Big, big save. So, you know, he's played a really crucial role in us keeping up that momentum, getting those three points. And, um, you know, even even in Europe against against Porto, um, I think uh, there was uh, one or two good saves there as well. So, you know, he, he's certainly growing with confidence, a world of difference to the player that we saw um, against Man City. I mean, even, you know, we, we played fantastic in that game. I didn't think he had a particularly good game then. Obviously, we conceded three goals, um, and he barely died for any of those three goals. Uh, I, I still think, though, that we are going to replace him. I, I think that there's too much smoke around the whole Allison thing, certainly from foreign media. Um, I feel that the mind's being made up that you know we want to bring in Allison, and I think talks are probably advanced. But we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see until uh, you know, over the summer when you know, the transfer window opens again. But, uh, you know, certainly Karis is putting a case forward that, um, you know, he, he de- definitely belongs in, in that goal. And, you know, it might be that Klopp is, is absolutely right in terms of local media and then reporting that actually um, they've now decided not to go for Alisson. So, so who knows for sure. But uh, certainly goalkeeper as a position is something that we're not having to worry about um, 
too much at this moment in time. That's not something we've been able to say for quite some some time. So, so, so that's really good, and I'm really pleased that he's playing well. And Kuzi, just to bring you in one last time, you would you re- would you replace him in the summer? Like you have a shot of like I I think that money could be used elsewhere. Personally, me too. I. I would I would keep an eye on it. I'd look at his performance for the rest of the season, and I would I would really make the decision at the end. Um, you know, because if he's in really good form, then, and you spend sixty million or whatever it is that's reportedly we're going to be spending on Allison, say this is the keeper we buy, for example, I, I don't see it as a wise investment if your incumbent is is playing very well. Now, what you have to sum up is, you know, is it a flash in the pan? This is what Klopp's going to have to sort of come to terms with and he'll be able to make a decision well a lot better than us because he's, he's, he's watching Karras every day in training is it a flash in the pan like Mignolet was last season where he had a really good sort of last three months and then the start of this season he went back to being poor so he's got to judge whether it's that for Karras or it is, it is his real form that, that we're you know that, that we're seeing um, people that watched him consistently in, in the Bundesliga will say that this is his actual form that mm. previously was a dip and this is how he is normally. If that is the case, if if he plays to this level for the rest of the season and, you know, Klopp and the staff believe that this is his actual, you know, this is not a, a, a sort of a flash in the pan, this is his real form, then I can't see what the point is in going and spending massive money on a, on, on a, on a keeper, you know. Um, I remember a few years ago, well, a few years ago, a while ago now, when Julio bought two keepers, like he got pissed off with, with was it Vestervelt? And then bought two goalkeepers, <laughs> or was it, or, or was it James? I can't remember. But I remember he, he actually he signed two keepers in one window, and then we had a, a case where um, you had two like high like high wage keepers fighting out for one position. I, I don't think that's um, I'm I'm not sure that's the best way to go about it. You know, I think mm. you want to clear you want to clear number one, yeah, and and a decent backup. Um, if you're Man City and you've got loads of money to spend, and you can you can you can easily spend the sixty million. Elsewhere, I think we've got weaknesses in the team that need that investment. Um, so, if we, I, I sent a tweet out earlier saying that you could spend whatever money we would be spending on Allison, you could spend it on two midfield, two starting midfield players next season instead, mm. and keep Harris in goal. Um, but it, it does depend on his form, though. And, and, and as I said earlier, whether or not the staff feel that this is his actual real form, and they can see him playing like this week and week out for the next, you know, number of years. Um, if that is the case, then I wouldn't be spending money on, a, on another people. Sure thing. I've got a tweet here from Melissa Reddy, and uh, I think she's at the presser, but she's got a quote from Jurgen Klopp on Karius's save. And Klopp basically said, very, very important. Newcastle would have said, perfect moment for them to have scored it. It would have been the opposite for us. It was like scoring. He's an outstandingly skilled goalkeeper. You know, so he's basically saying there that that save was as important as scoring like a, a winning goal. Um, I, I do agree with that. Obviously, Klopp has seen him a fair bit in the Bundesliga, a lot in the Bundesliga, knows of his skill and his talent, which is the reason why he brought him in. Um, I, I'm personally with, with you, um, Cuzzy. I want to see this goalkeeper progress, uh, become better. I love the fact that we got him dirt cheap. It would be great and a massive slap in everyone's face if he comes good. 
and we can actually spend that money and invest in actual players that we need outfield and let this goalkeeper grow and let him get better because I feel like he he has had some unwarranted stick from a majority of the press and pundits. I really want to see him succeed and um, I love it. I, I, I love the fact that he produced that and, you know, it's a bit of a slap in everyone's face. And it's nice to actually have a goalkeeper who who actually improves the way we play. He kind of suits the way we play. He gets rid of that ball really quick. He's good with his feet. I'm confident when, when the ball's played short to him, I know he's going to run out and clear it. He's just got a lot of attributes and assets that I think suit us. But I think that's enough discussion of, on Carriers. I think he had, you know, he is doing really well. So happy for just, him. We're going to move on. Just, to just quickly, so, sorry. How, how good is Alison? How good is he's he? He's got amazing reflexes. Like I have been watching Roma a fair bit now. When I when I'm free and they're on, I do watch them. He has got phenomenal reflexes, and you know he's quick and he's he's nifty like that. And again, he would he would sue us, you know, because he's quick. He gets down quick. There's a lot. I mean, Marcotti and I did um, a podcast on Euro Incision where he really speaks in depth about the goalkeeper because he's seen him week in week out, yeah. and he actually did say. Of course, if Liverpool could get a keeper, you you would get him because I don't think we're going to get our black. You know that's not going to happen now anyway yeah. with all the rumours that he's going to sign or has signed for Atleti Madrid. But this guy would really suit. He you know he's keeping um he's keeping the Brazil number one slot. You know there's a reason for that, but it's it's great. But I think they're going to ask for a massive fee, and I think they're kind of a bit yeah. hurt by the way we so got right. a steal Mo Salah. So I think we're going to get ripped off a fair bit. I'd rather just if if this guy turns good then and he's amazing, then why spend that money? Yeah, unless you had it to burn. And <laughs> which we obviously don't. We don't. So you know, yeah. I'd, yeah, exactly. I'd love to see the five million keeper turn good. It it'd be fucking amazing. It really would. But guys, I think we've discussed the keeper there. We're going to move on to the fullbacks. Mo, I'm going to come to you. What did you make of the fullbacks? It was the starting fullbacks again in Trent Alexander-Arnold, who has been doing really well um, for Liverpool. And of course, Robertson, who is getting a lot of love and a lot of praise. Uh, your thoughts on the fullbacks? I thought they were quite instrumental again today. Certainly with the first half where there was a lot of sort of side-to-side passing because Newcastle made us play like that. I thought they were a good sort of channel and output for the width. Well, I thought that they, to be honest, had a bit of a mixed game. I mean, and that's not because they played badness. I think it was just because they were asked to play in quite a disciplined, quite a reserved way. And I was looking at the um, average positions um, on whoscored.com and both of them were pretty much around the halfway line. Um, and that's with 70% possession. And normally when we have that amount of possession, our fullbacks are a little bit further advanced. Um, and I, I felt that Klopp didn't want them to overcommit and um, have something like, you know, the, the goal we gave away last week um, against uh, West Ham. Um, you know, some little mistake leading to a mistake. Sorry, a little mistake leading to a goal because the defence is high up and um, the fullbacks are further advanced and so I think he was Klopp was being a bit cautious to try and avoid that happening um, this week and uh, in terms of things like crosses as well I saw very little of that um, you know I, th- I thought they grafted um, you know, they weren't tested a huge amount you know certainly defensively um, you know Newcastle's um, wide plays really weren't venturing forward all that much they did a bit more in the second half but didn't create 
too much of a problem for either one. Uh, I, I thought both of them played better last week against West Ham. Um, but, you know, certainly in terms of performing functionally... Um, I think the game the suited them last week better, though, didn't it? You know, because it was an open game. Uh, West Ham foolishly did come to play football. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they had a bit more space. And, uh, you know, th- this week, Newcastle clearly very well drilled, um, very regimented, um, you know, marshaled the kind of passing lanes um, very effectively on the whole. And um, so they weren't really going to get as much joy this week um, as uh, obviously they were able to get with West Ham last week. But nonetheless, I, I still think that um, Klopp instructed them not to be quite as gung-ho and quite as cavalier this week as they perhaps were mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. And Cluzy, your thoughts on, on the fullbacks? I think Moore's made some really good points there. The fact that, you know, we, we know that they are creative we know both of them to love to put in a cross and that to face forward and today was a bit more of like a uh, you know they, they attempted to be a bit more conservative but still very solid yeah i i definitely agree with that um they were steady they were solid um i only remember really a cut one cross from each when i look back on the game and um one 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 from trent was was cut out and uh, one from, from robertson uh went over everyone's head i think for a throw in or, or maybe a goal kick uh, I can't remember too many phases of play where they were advanced and sort of got themselves in, the t- in attacking areas. As Mo said, mm. there wasn't really any threat behind them. Newcastle didn't really have the opportunity to put forwards in the channels. Um, so yeah, it was, they didn't, you know, and it was a bit cautious and a bit safe, not just from the fullbacks, from, from most of the team, I think. Um, it was that sort of performance where we were patient. Um, we weren't looking to get caught out on the counter, as, as you both mentioned. And uh, no, there wasn't a lot of risk taken out wide in those positions at all. Important, though. Absolutely yeah. important. The fact that you have to play different ways. One of the, one of the, um, I was trying to sort of try and put my finger on what is it about Liverpool at the moment that is enabling them to be a lot better against these low block teams when they come to Anfield. And um, it seems to me is that they're controlling the game a lot better. Um, they're, they're patient. They've always sort of been patient, even when they've not been getting great results in previous times at Anfield against these teams. But they're patient and they're controlling it a lot better. They're, they're not allowing the opposition to get many chances. And there's less, there's, there's a lot less individual errors as well, um, compared to previous seasons. And, and that is sort of putting us in a position where, because of our front three, we're always in a position where a bit of magic, a good phase of play, can open these teams up and, and get a goal or two and, and we get, and we come away with a point. So rather than losing 3-2 like to Swansea, like we did last season, for example, we're beating teams 2-0, um, at home in, instead. And, um, yeah, I think not, ju- not just from the fullbacks, but everyone is at the moment has just been steady. And, um, and yeah, today was, um, they, we played safe. We controlled it. And th- that was a big part of it. The fullbacks not being too, too gung ho. Agreed. Right, okay, so I think we've discussed the full-backs. We're, we're very happy with them. Got to discuss the front three. I mean, I think people are just running out of all positive things to say about them. Two of them got on the scoring. But, you know, my personal highlight is, and I'm just going to say it, you know, when Sadio Mane scores and he pays homage to Firmino from the previous week by copying his celebration, like, I live for that shit. It makes me laugh. So, you know, it's it's just great. But first things first, let's discuss um, uh, Salah's goal. Um, uh, 
Cuzzy, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, your thoughts on that? Because I thought Ox played a, a great ball. Uh, it was a great ball, great vision from Ox to put in Salah. And I thought kind of got a little lucky because it did kind of click the keeper's leg before it went in. But we'll take that. Here we go. A couple of little bits, pieces of luck in that play where I think Hendo was on the board. It sort of ricocheted off the Newcastle player to, um, yes, to Oxlade-Chamberlain, who was really positive, drove out the defence. And it was a really good pass. A lot of players shoot there. Um, keeper saves it or goes over the bar or whatever, and chance is gone. Um, but he plays a nice pass to, to Salah. He makes it, it's an easy chance for him. Uh, it hits the keeper and goes in. So another little bit of luck, but you know, hit the, hit it on target and, um, invariably it, it goes in the back of the net. Um, so that was really, that was really good. And that was sort of the, the first bit of, of real quality in that first half. And we managed to get, get the goal. So as I said earlier, control most of the game. And then you get a bit of quality there, a bit of luck, a bit of quality, and you, and, and you get the goal. Um, so that was really good. In terms of, with Salah, I, I, in his last few sort of appearances, he's not been, his overall game hasn't been, in my opinion, as good as it has been early parts of the season. But he still produces magical moments. Like, for example, the goal in Porto is, is out of this world. Um, mm. The goal against Spurs is, is magnificent. So he, he doesn't have that many touches over the ball. He's not involved a lot in build-up play. But when he does get it, he's really, really dangerous. And he just produces five or six moments a game, sometimes even less than that. Like today, for example, how many moments can you remember where he was dangerous? One or two or three? Mm. Um, but he really makes them count and really makes the opposition pay when he gets the chances. And um, it, it's the mark of a, usually you'd say it's the mark of a, of a you know, a top goal scorer. The likes of Harry Kane, who's not in the, involved in the game at all, and he gets a couple of chances and buries two goals. And you can go down the list of fantastic strikers who've done the same. Um, you, just, you, you don't usually associate it with a wide player, but that's what Salah is bringing at mm. the moment. You know, he, he, he can be having a quiet game, and he get with, but whenever he does get the ball, he's really, really dangerous. And um, so it, it's been proven in the last in the last few games. Um, so yeah. And Mob, just to bring you in, um, I think Kuzi makes a fair point there that, you know, Salah probably wasn't his usual lively self, but I think it's safe to say that he will be a threat regardless. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, as we talked about earlier on. And he's just breaking uh, stupid way... records as well. I've, I've actually lost count of what he's broken now. He's just done everything. Oh, yeah. It's just getting absurd now, isn't it? I mean, he's clearly heading for about 40 goals in the season and I think, you know, if somebody said to us at the start of the season, right, Salah's going to get you 20 goals this season, you know, we, we would have been ecstatic. We would have thought, brilliant, that that's great for a wide player. For him to be on course for a double that number, that's just beyond anyone's wildest dreams. And you know, that, that's just amazing, absolutely amazing. You just run out of superlatives to kind of uh, uh, direct to that man. He's just um, something else. And, I'm just hopeful. I'm really hopeful that you know his time with us is is not short. Um, I'm sure he will be here with us for next season, but I'd like to think that he'll be with us for many seasons after that. But that's all dependent on us winning, winning things. You know, um, it's all well and good finishing top four and all the rest of it, but you know, picking up trophies—that's what players live for. And uh, you know, it, it's all about building that momentum. You know, and if we get the right players in and we get the right place to support him and what he needs to do, um, then he'll want to be sticking around for quite a while. But yeah, I mean, this was one of the, those games where clearly um, Newcastle 
set up to defend and so the service into him uh, wasn't going to be as great and also he didn't have as much space to run into and I thought Dame actually did quite a good job um, you know, as one of the central defenders for, for Newcastle and kept Salah quiet um, on the whole uh, but yeah it, it's very very difficult for any team to keep all three of them quiet for an entire game and uh, you know that, that second goal um, from Firmino was just magnificent. It was breathtaking football. And it actually all started from Firmino in our own half. And um, some delightful touches and that ball uh, from Firmino to Mane, sorry, um, for that second goal was just incredible. Absolute genius, in fact. That was that was just something else. Yeah, and speaking of Mane, we'll stick with Mane and I'll stick with you, Mo. Um it's great to see him sort of scoring goals again because obviously there has been a lot of talk that, you know, he's not doing the most. And he's, you know, again, I, I, I thought he had a pretty decent game. I think the front three will always be devastating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if, even if you go back to last season, um, he wasn't that kind of Suarez-type player. There was a constant menace. Um, but he'd get these moments in games where you know, he'd come alive and you know, that's exactly what happened today. Um, he didn't have many great moments, you know, like Salah, but, you know, he had that crucial moment where it really happened for him and uh, he had that foresight to expect that pass uh, to come inside and uh, he latched onto it and the finish was exquisite. And, you know, he, he seems to have his confidence back, his mojo back. Uh, I think he's, he, it took him a while to get over that Um misplaced pass against uh, Everton where obviously we dropped two points and that, that seemed to really dent his confidence but I think it's back now and uh, I also think he'll probably play against uh, Porto as well and if he does you know he'll really fancy his chance of picking up one or two more goals and uh, yeah he's, he's another one who's on course to uh, you know hit 20 goals or more for the season and you know, if that's the case then uh, we, we can only be pleased with that so you know, good all round, and as you say, sorry, in a belated response to your uh, comment about uh, the Mane celebration, yeah, that that was absolutely brilliant, spot on. Um, you know, him mimicking Firmino is one of the highlights of the season, especially after he scores. And I think he's on a crusade to do the worst impression of it as well, which is the best thing ever. Cousy, um, your, your thoughts on Sadio Mane? I know you've had a fair bit to say on the on the topic, um, but he's scoring. He's doing what is required of him. I tell you what, he's lucky he's not a rapper because he, the way he's copying people's style, it wouldn't be they wouldn't be happy with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Firmino was smiling on the pitch, but he might have words in the dressing room saying, "Hey, look, look, mate, stop, stop copying my bloody celebrations." I think he fucking loves it, you know. At least, at least do he... them well. <laughs> yeah. to be fair today's one was was really was 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 splendid it was it was hilarious the last the, the kung fu kick he didn't execute that at all I'm not giving him um, high marks for that one um but no he's um he's playing he's still in my opinion not at the top of his game but mm. the threat is always there and um he's not suffering from any sort of confidence problem um, he's always going to try things. He always gets himself into positions to score. His runs off the ball is fantastic. The one today, the, the second goal was, it was the, the first, I think, real moment of, of world-class football in the entire match. Um, really good passing movement. One touch, his movement and the pass from Firmino. And the finish is perfect as well. It's a, it's a brilliant goal. It's a really, really, really good goal. 
And um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's 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 wonderful that you can be maybe not at the top of your own game, but you're still contributing so much to the team. And to be honest, it, it doesn't really matter at the moment because he's just the way he's contributing is just is really good, and it's in all sorts of matches as well that is put that is sort of contributing. He's getting goals and he's creating goals in in you know in Europe in the league away from home at home. You know, in big matches, um, he did it against is it City. Five in three for him in, recently. Yeah. Like he got obviously he yeah. got the hat trick against Porto. Yeah, five in three. That's it, I think pretty it is, recent. Yeah. It, the front three are all consistently scoring in every game. It's not like you know Sadio will get a couple of games, sorry, a couple of goals today, and then might not score for the next three weeks. And mm. and, and same thing for the others. They're scoring consistently, game in game out. The three of them are a threat, and the three of them are getting consistent goals or creating goals every single game. And um, yeah, it's um, it's why I think we're in this position um, that you know that we're having this really good run at the moment. It, I think it's. It's down to the, the three of those. They've been fit and they've been brilliant for this run. Mm. Um, so there was definitely Absolutely. he's up. He's definitely upped his game. His 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 form has improved, um, and um, and the numbers are getting even better. So what's that? It's got is eight goals in the league and fourteen in all competitions now. So he could end up having twenty um, and in double figures in the league. So and that that's that's brilliant. Absolutely. And I think um, a lot of these goals and things are attributed to the f- the final part of the front three. Cozy, I'll stick with you. I think um, uh, Firmino is like the orchestra right behind them, pulling things like that pass that he played for Mane for that goal. I thought today as well, he when he felt like things weren't going the right way, he was like sort of chipping into the midfield, getting stuck in, trying to press, trying to win the ball back, just doing standard routine Firmino things, things that really make the front three tick. I think he delivered a lot of that today. Yeah, he well, he won the, for the start of that move for the second goal. He won the ball in in our half, uh, in the centre circle. There, he, he's won the ball. He started the move. He's continued going up forward. Gets the ball back and plays that beautiful pass. And it's sort of symptomatic of what he's been doing all mm. season long. Really, is his the pressing and the work rate off the ball is is even better than what it was last season. So there's not been no compromise there. The creativity has been there. And he's added more goals to his game, so you can't really ask for more. He's he's producing what I I thought sort of all along has been in his locker, and mm. you know if he does this consistently, then he's he's the ideal centre forward. Really, I mean you can't really ask for more than what he's producing at the moment. And again, yeah, if you look at his numbers, twenty two goals in all competitions, uh, thirteen in the league. Um, I think he could get. You know, maybe 18 or so in the league. He's got a number of assists as well. So, you know, that's a really good return from his centre forward. Absolutely. Completely compliments uh, Sadio Mane and uh, Mo Salah there. And Mo Chatra, uh, I'm going to come to you, let you have your final say on, on Roberto Firmino. Yeah, I think um, you know, Dave Hendrick, um, our Anfield Index colleague, talks a lot about how important. Um, Firmino is to our system. He is so so mm. important, and you know my big concern is that if he's out, whether it's this season, next season, or however long he's at the club, we just have nobody that can kind of replicate that role that he fulfills for us. And so he's I'm got really Suarez hopeful. levels of intelligence, hasn't he? It's the Suarez oh, levels yeah. of intelligence. Yeah. Oh, he, he's on a level. Um, that you know, very very few players uh, mm. can operate at, and uh, that's why I'm really hoping that part of our transfer plans for the summer 
are to bring in somebody who is an adequate backup for him because I mean yeah I mean Solanke is young and Danny Ings is Danny Ings but uh, you know <laughs> we, we, we need somebody to <laughs> it's well let's put it this way it's not a compliment um, you know we need somebody as an adequate backup for him I mean we're not mm. going to find somebody who's as good but somebody who can slot in and uh, that that for me is, is a key priority for the summer because if he gets injured, um, then that massively affects the way that we play. And um, you know, I, I think one of the key reasons why Salah has got 32 goals this season already is because of the contribution of uh, Firmino, not only in terms of assists, but also in terms of the pressing, the spaces that he can help to open up, uh, and everything else that goes with um, creating that just uncertainty and almost hysteria in opposition defences about um, you know the the, uh, the ways in which we can attack and open up those defences. I think that of all of the teams in the Premier League, we're the ones that teams fear the most because um, you know we they can't just shut down one player like Chelsea with Hazard and think right okay we've got a really good chance of winning now because. If you do that to Mane, then we've got another two. If you do that to Salah, then we've got another two. You know, so um, that that that's you know all the reason why um, that man is so integral and important to our system. And again, he demonstrated it today. He didn't score, but his contribution was you know vital to getting those three points yet again. And uh, uh, fingers crossed, he'll keep fit for the re- remainder of the season and play a massive part in. Uh, doing things for us, not only in the league, but also Champions League as well. Mm-hmm. And he'll sign that long-term deal as well. You know, oh, happy oh, days and fingers crossed. Yeah, and then he can get even more shiny teeth or something. He fucking can blind the possible. haters, bitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, bless him. You know what makes me smile, that does. Um, guys, I think we've covered the game there. Uh, massive thank you to our callers for the great questions. Huge thank you to Mo and Cozy, but before I let them go, man of the match, I know it's difficult because everyone did have a pretty decent game, but I'm intrigued to see who kind of stood out for you. Uh, Mo, I'll stick with you. Who was your man of the match today, or who do you think deserves a special shout-out? Uh, well, I'll, I'll go with Ox uh, for this week. Mm. Um, I, I thought that he grafted really well. Um, I, I was looking at his passes. Compared to the other the two in midfield, he passed about half as much as the other two. Um, but when he was on the ball, um, you know, he was full of positive intent. You know, it was his great run that uh, created that first goal. And um, he came up with another great run later on, which could have led to a goal as well. Um, and, you know, that kind of dynamism is something that uh, you know, is, is really, really important going into the game against United. And I'm hoping that he gets a game against them um, next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, laughing at all those people who thought he couldn't make it in Liverpool's midfield or couldn't play in a midfield three. Um, Cuzzy, um, who who are you going to give it to? Yeah, uh, I'm going to double up. Um, well, Alex Oxley chamberlain for me, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think he made things happen. Um, that mm-hmm. first goal was really important and his driving run definitely helped create that. This was just really positive, and and um, well mentioned dynam- dynamism. If that's the, if that's the right way to pronounce it, dynamism. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was impressive today, and um, it was a game where it was it was difficult to actually pick a, a, a man of the match because uh, Newcastle didn't pose a great threat, so I wouldn't really go for any of the um, any of the defenders. 
and you look in the midfield and no one really stood out to me apart from apart from Ox. And yeah. um, the front three, you know, they all, they always have their moments, but there wasn't anything sort of sustainably brilliant from them during the match. So I'm going to definitely give it, give, give it to the Ox this, this game. You know what? It's a full house. Ox gets it. Oxley Chamberlain, I think it's the first time from uh, for the Nina Kaza show as well. You get our man of the match. Uh, I I I adore him and uh, I want to see more of him and I love the fact that he is looking so settled in that midfield and it's not even his contribution on the pitch, it's what he does off the pitch as well. I love how he sticks up for the players. Um, he just seems like um, an incredible asset to having the team both on and off the pitch so I'm very happy with him so yeah Oxley Chamberlain is the man of the match guys before I let you go anything to plug Cuzzy I'll come to you first I'm working on a on, on an article um it's turning into a bit of a beast I've been working on it for the last couple of weeks and then the it's, it's it, yeah it's turning into a bit of a war and peace uh it's about <laughs> what we need to do to sort of take ourselves to the next level sort of to become a, a, a you know a fully fledged title challenger uh, consistently mm-hmm. as well, not like the one off we got in thirteen fourteen. So I'm looking at squad depth, quality, positions, options, um, time it takes in order to build a squad, that sort of thing. And um, I've sort of gone gone back sort of a number of years and look at looked at previous champions and sort of been putting putting stats yeah. together and looking at other squads and and all sorts of stuff. So. At the moment, I've been doing loads of research and gathering data and all sorts of stuff. So um, I'm coming to the, um, the, the, the the part where I actually have to write some some coherent words about it now. Um, so hopefully it should be ready within the next maybe week or so, and then hopefully that's ready to publish. Um, but yeah, it might it might turn into a bit of a war and peace effort. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was good because I was thinking to myself, you know, what do we need to do to sort of take it to the next level? Because usually we have seasons where um, we're really good for say 15 games or so. We have these really good stats. And if you extrapolate from over a season, you know, like we should be challenging for the title. How can we, you know, get to the next point where we can do that over a full season? Um, so yeah, so so hopefully I can get that wrapped up soon and share it with you. I look forward to it. Um, uh, definitely do keep an eye out for that one from Cousy and Mo. I know you've been a busy dude, so um, do let the listeners know um what you've been up to. Yeah, well, uh, just just before I do that, uh, very, very quickly, uh, really glad to finally be on the podcast with Cuzzy. Uh, I'm a big fan of his War and Peace articles that he's written <laughs> over the last right. year or two. Um, you know, I, I'm very like-minded with Cuzzy in terms of what role I feel the owners should play in terms mm. of enabling on-field success. Um, so, you know, we, we very much think alike, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. And on that on that subject, um, yeah, just leading nicely into um, two of my uh, podcast contributions for this week. Um, so both for AI Pro. Uh, one is a AI Pro Plus uh, podcast with Jonathan Northcroft um, talking FSG and evaluating mm-hmm. um, various aspects of uh, what they've done for the club. And then the second is a news round from um, just yesterday where I talked about the financials that reported, sorry, uh, on Thursday about the financials that were reported. And just to follow that up, I'll be putting out an article, um, hopefully in the next week or so, once the full accounts are published um, online, which I think will be Monday. And uh, I'll go into a bit more detail about uh, Liverpool's financial position and try to link it in with transfer transfers as well, because that, that 
those accounts will give a fairly good idea about whether the club was being honest about um, exactly what happened with that uh, Felipe Coutinho money, whether it really is all available for the spending in the summer or whether it actually did go towards uh, perhaps um, funding some of the activities for transfer incomings with the likes of Van Dijk. So um, mm. that, that will give me a clue for that. So looking forward to that. Excellent stuff. Look, for, look forward to reading that one as well. And for my part, if you want to listen to um, more Chakra and what uh, and the pods that he's been involved in, do check out AI Pro. Like we've said, it's pretty straightforward and simple. It's only $4.99 a month, $49.99 annually. All you need to do is go to anfieldindex.com forward slash join seven day free trial so you have a seven day free trial if you're not happy with anything or you don't like the service you can cancel at any time we will not judge you but really we will because you won't want to because it is that good but there's so much great content there's media matters there's of course the legends you've got people like Molby on the spot you've got tactics with Paul Dargleish uh, under pressure which is like one of the one of the best podcasts you'll ever come across on on all Liverpool um in in terms of all Liverpool content in my opinion there's a post match raw show as well with Trev Downey so much phenomenal content i will be back this week and i will be doing euro incision so i'll be adding some noise then i've got an excellent guest with me so keep it locked on Anfield Index Pro also whilst i have you please 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 subscribe to my youtube channel Anfield Index TV, it helps me out loads. I'm going to start doing more videos again. I've just been so busy, but I'm going to get back into the swing of things, try producing regular, regular content for you guys. That's it from me. A massive thank you to my panellists. Huge thank you to our callers. Massive thank you for, for listening. I'm sure you're very happy. We're sat pretty second. Long may it continue, and let's hammer those manks. Till next time, up the reds. Podcast Network.